Welcome to Quest, where we believe a great faith, great church experience, and great life is grounded in authentic relationship with God and living life with friends. Join us today in changing our world one friendship at a time. If you would like more information about connecting at Quest, stay tuned after the message. Oh, it's wonderful to be back with all of you, to be here. Oh, God is so good. You know, our Heavenly Father... We're so blessed to be his children. Every day we get to wake up. Every day is a new adventure. We never know what the Lord's going to do next. You know, we get to live with this excitement and this anticipation because we're God's kids. So let's just start with some prayer today. Father, we do just come before you as your children. We love to just be here in your presence, to worship you, to learn the things that you have to teach us. And so, Father, I ask that this day you would just come and enlighten the eyes of our hearts. That you would let us know the hope to which we are called, the riches of our glorious inheritance in Christ Jesus, Father, that that knowledge would move from our heads into our hearts. And I ask, Father, that you would just come and anoint my teaching. And Holy Spirit, I just welcome you for all the ways that you're going to come and move in our midst this day. In Jesus' name. So, in April, my family and I traveled to Virginia on a vacation. And while we were there, my husband and I decided to go have lunch with this other couple at this waterfront restaurant. And during our time there, I excused myself. I went to the restroom. And when I went in the restroom, there's this woman, and she's doubled over the counter like this. And she's wincing in pain. So, of course, I asked her, what's wrong? And she said that she has this knee problem. It started several weeks ago. She's in this excruciating pain. She can hardly stand. She can hardly walk. And so, of course, I offered to pray for her. I simply asked if I could put my hand on her shoulder. I invited the Holy Spirit to come. I prayed a few simple command prayers the way I believe Jesus prayed. And I left the bathroom. And about five minutes later, I look up and here's Millie. That was her name. Here's Millie standing at our table. And she has this shocked and stunned look on her face. And she says, my pain is completely gone. I was like, praise Jesus. I said, Millie, Jesus just healed you. I said, do you know Jesus? She goes, yeah, I know Jesus. So we like celebrated what Jesus did. And then Millie goes back to her table and she tells her friends, Jesus just healed her and Jesus gets more glory. And Millie was healed. And, you know, we're all actually meant to live these naturally supernatural lives on this adventure that we've been invited on with God. But, you know, the sad thing is, is 25 years ago, I wouldn't have known what to do for Millie. Because I grew up in a church where they didn't pray for people, and they certainly never taught us how to pray for people. And so until my brother was miraculously healed, I didn't even realize God still heals today. And once that event happened, it changed my life. It set me on this quest to understand healing prayer, to practice healing prayer, and to help other people understand healing prayer. So let's take a look at our grounding verse for today. Because God has appointed each and every one of us. He said that we're part of a royal priesthood when we become followers of Christ. So let's turn to... 1 Peter 2, verse 9 and 10. He says, You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, 
a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. So the Apostle Peter, he wrote these words in about 60 AD. It was during the reign of the Roman Emperor Nero. Christians are being persecuted. And he wrote them to the churches in Asia Minor. He wants to encourage the people. He wants to remind them of their positional authority in Christ. So what's it actually mean to be a priest? Well, the priest is someone who simply, you know, stands on the altar of God. Someone who lives in the presence of God, in relationship with God, in this intimate relationship, and ministers the presence of God to the rest of the world in the form of, you know, salvation, bringing people into relationship with God, in the form of ministering healing to other people. That's the role of a priest. And as followers of Christ, we have this unique role in human history to be people who get to minister the presence of God. It's a divine gift to us, given to us by Jesus Christ. Every Christian is called to serve before the Lord on an altar. All followers of Christ are members of a royal priesthood. And so this idea, it wasn't unique to Peter. Let's look at Genesis 1.26, the creation of humanity. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion. So first of all, in this passage, we're we're privy to a Trinitarian conversation happening here. God is deciding, he's telling what humanity is supposed to look like. And first and foremost, we're supposed to be image bearers of God. So what's it mean to be an image bearer of God? Well, an image is a, you know, representation of a real thing. So they're going to show a picture here on the screen. Can anyone tell me who this is? It's the Mona Lisa. And so if Mona Lisa happened to walk into our church service here today, we would recognize Mona Lisa because we've seen her image so many times in our life. Well, when people encounter us, they're supposed to encounter something of heaven, something of the presence of God is supposed to touch them. Something of the love of God is supposed to touch them because we're his image bearers. And we're also meant to have dominion. And so... Uh, God expands on that a little bit in Genesis 1.28. He says, subdue the earth and have dominion over it. And God's mandate for humanity has never changed. It's still the same. When God delivered the Hebrew nation out of slavery in Egypt, he brought them to the base of Mount Sinai. And he says this in Exodus 15, no, Exodus 19.6. He says, And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. See, what God intended, he said these words before the Levitical priesthood was given. God intended to live in relationship with each and every person in that nation and have them minister his presence to the rest of the world. That was his intention. It was a missional role that they were called to fulfill. Shortly thereafter, the people, they rejected God. They wanted an intermediary, so he gave them Moses as an intermediary, and he gave them the Levitical priesthood. But that didn't change God's mission for humanity. 
He sent Jesus Christ not only, you know, to restore all that was lost in the fall, but to create this new world order that Jesus would implement this royal priesthood for us. So how did Jesus do that? Well, initially, Jesus just went around doing what Jesus did. Let's look at Matthew 9:35. He was just modeling for the disciples. Let's read this. It says, And Jesus went throughout all of the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. So first of all, Jesus was just modeling what he was doing. And then it came time to actually start training them and teaching them and having them go out and do it themselves. So let's flip over here to Luke 9, 1. It says, and he called the 12 together and he gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure all diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And so now he's having them replicate his ministry, that they're to do exactly what he did. He's not with them. He sent them out on their own to do it. Now, we know that they were successful because Luke, the historian, tells us in Luke 9, 6, and they departed and they went through the villages preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. So then it comes time, Jesus expands the number of people that are carrying on this ministry. He, let's turn over to Luke 10, 1. He calls together 72 and he says this, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others, and he sent them ahead of him, two by two, to every town and every place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, we're going to skip to verse 9, heal the sick and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near you. This wasn't a suggestion. It was a command by Christ to go proclaim the gospel of the kingdom and heal the sick. He expected them to carry on his ministry. And it wasn't just for the people who were alive at the time of Jesus. It's expected of every follower of all time for Christ. Let's turn to Matthew 28, 18 through 20. So in this point in Matthew, um, Jesus has risen from the dead. He's walked the earth for 40 days and he's about ready to ascend into heaven. And so he says to the people around him, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. So in other words, as he's hanging on the cross, he completely defeated Satan. He got back the keys to the kingdom that were lost at the fall of humanity. They are his and he has given them to his people. He has all authority. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, baptize them in the name of the Trinity, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. So he was telling them that they were to not just repeat his teachings, that they were to do the ministry that he had done. And throughout Christian history, there's always been a faithful stream of people who have understood this and done this. 
So as born-again, spirit-filled Christians, we live under an open heaven. We have 24-7 access to God. The keys to the kingdom have been given to us, and it's for the purpose to bless humanity, to bless those around us in our spheres of influence. You know, John Wimber, one of the early leaders of the vineyard, used to, he understood this priesthood of believers. He just said it a little different way. He said, Everybody gets to play. That means everybody gets to do the ministry that Christ did. It's an adventure we've been invited on by Jesus. We get to be naturally supernatural. Everybody can help see the millies of the world experience God's healing. But if everybody gets to play, then everybody has to be trained. John Wimber said that also. And so that's what we're going to do here today. I'm going to walk through the five-step prayer model, which I believe is the way Jesus prayed, and I'll expand on that in a little bit. Then I'm going to model it for you, and then we get to practice it here in this safe environment of church. See, when we get together, we're the ecclesia, we're the body of Christ. It's supposed to be a royal gift exchange. It's supposed to be a really fun time. So... But it's important before we start that to remember and understand that healing is God's idea. So let's look at Exodus 15, 20. Remember, the Bible is a self-revelation of God. He's throughout the Old Testament revealing himself more and more, more of who he is, more of who his character is. And then we see the fullness of God in Jesus. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, that Jesus is the full revelation of God. So here in Exodus 15, he says, I am the Lord, your healer. I am Yahweh Rophe. I am the God who heals you. That's my character. That's my nature. It can't be changed. It's who I am. It's what I want to do. I want to bring healing to you. You know, the Old Testament prophets understood that the Messiah was going to be someone who brought healing. In Isaiah 53, 5, Isaiah says, by his stripes, you'll be healed. In other words, when Jesus Christ hung on that cross, it was more than just for the forgiveness of sins for humanity. That it was also for healing, for sozo. Sozo, that word, it means saved and healed. Let's look at Matthew. I'm going to look at Matthew 8, 16 and 17. Because Matthew, he was Jewish. He was writing to a Jewish audience, and he wants to make sure that his audience understands this point. It says that, we're talking about Jesus, that evening they brought many to him, to Jesus, many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out the spirits with the word, and he healed all who were sick. And then Matthew goes on to say, this was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. The apostle Peter also says this same thing. We flip over to 1 Peter 2, 24. He says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness, period. By his wounds, you have been healed. That word for healed there too, the Greek word is EMI. It means physical healing. 
You know, 25 years ago, there was a disconnect in my Christianity. And I find, I find it sometimes in other people too, that we understand that when Jesus hung on the cross for us, that we got forgiveness of sins. But the disconnect is sometimes we don't always understand that when he hung on the cross for us, it was also for physical healing so that we could see physical healing. And since I've learned to pray for the sick the way I believe Jesus prayed, I've seen many, many people healed by God. So this five-step prayer model that we're going to talk about today, it's not a formula. It's actually a way to just partner with the Holy Spirit and see God touch people and God bring healing to people. You know, Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing. I only say what I see, hear the Father saying. It's our attempt to try to replicate that ministry of Christ. And so Blaine Cook, he was also one of the early leaders in the vineyard. He helped John Wimber develop this model. And Blaine said it like this. He says, it's not so much a how-to as it is a who-with. I'll say that again. It's not so much a how-to as it is a who-with. That when we're practicing and praying for healing, we're partnering with the Trinity, right? Healing comes by the will of the Father. It's available to us from the finished work of Christ on the cross. And it's by the power, the dunamis of the Holy Spirit that it happens. So if we're supposed to replicate Christ's ministry, we have to understand it. As this royal priesthood of believers... We're standing on the altar of God, and when we're praying for people, we're just bringing them into the presence of God. It's a high and holy place to stand there and watch the Lord move and touch people. So I have, there's a team that's going to come and hand out some handouts to you on the five-step prayer model. And while they do that, um, I am going to share a couple more quick testimonies. That happened this year. A couple people have given me permission to share. And so the first one is in August, many of you know Jim Rowe. He goes to our church. One Sunday in August, he comes up to the prayer team and he asked for prayer. He told us that his doctor had diagnosed him with stage three kidney disease. So we simply prayed for him the way we believe Jesus prayed using this, this way we believe he prayed. On August 18th, Wednesday night, Jim comes to our worship and prayer night that we have, and he shares with us that he went back to his doctor, they ran more tests, and he doesn't have any trace of kidney disease. Thanks be to God. Yahweh Rufe is God our healer. Another story is my friend Jenny. In February, my friend Jenny reaches out to me, and she asked me if I would pray for a woman named Barbara Huff. Barbara had a tumor, a cancerous tumor, and it was large, and she was undergoing chemotherapy. They were trying to shrink the tumor and get it small enough so that they could operate on her. I said, sure, I'd be glad to pray for her. So we actually prayed on Tuesday, February 16th, and we prayed in a Zoom call. The next morning, Barbara goes to her doctor, and her doctor can no longer feel her tumor. So he shortens the number of treatments he was planning on giving her, Later on, she had an MRI. It showed no trace of a tumor. She went ahead and had exploratory surgery. And 
you know, her lymph nodes were clear and the pathologist report came back and said, Barbara has no trace of cancer in her body. You know, thanks be to God. God does heal cancer. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so let's take a look at these handouts. And for those of you at home, I will just explain it and walk us through it. So the first step here is interview and discernment. Remember, this is a relational model. We, are, we have relationship with the person that we're praying for, and we're in relationship with God. And so, you know, we ask, obviously, the person's name. What's your name? What would you like God to do for you? You know, what, what happened? You know, what kind of pain are you in? How may I pray for you today? And you want to know how long they've had this issue. How long has this been going on? If there was a traumatic event that happened around the time, you want to ask that. Was there a traumatic event that happened around the time that this started? Because if there was a traumatic event, your next automatic question needs to be, if there was someone involved in that event, have you forgiven that person? I know this is going to sound a little bit strange, but I've been praying for people a long time. I know this is true. That unforgiveness can block physical healing in people. See, God commands us to forgive for our benefit and for our sake. It doesn't let them off the hook, but unforgiveness keeps us bound in chains. And when God is bringing healing to people, he wants to bring not just physical healing, he wants to bring mental, emotional, and spiritual healing to people. So that's important. If it was caused by trauma, make sure they have forgiven the person. Another question we ask people if they're in pain is what's your... What's the level of pain on a scale of 1 to 10? And we ask this so we can measure how the Holy Spirit's working. If we start praying for someone and their pain level is at an 8, and we pray a little bit and their pain level is now at a you know 5 or 6, we know the Holy Spirit's working. And so we just keep on praying until their pain level is at 0. God is at work, and we want to join God in what he's doing. That's, you know, we only do what we see the Father doing. And then we always ask, can we place our hand on your shoulder? You know, we don't have to place our hand on their shoulder. If they say no, they'd rather not. That's okay. God can still heal. He's sovereign. But we do that because the Bible says you'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover. You know, and sometimes they can experience the Holy Spirit moving powerfully through that human interaction. So step two is prayer selection. And you have a choice of petition prayers or command prayers. Now, petition prayers have a time and a place. They are very good. It's the way we've all been trained to pray. It's the way we've prayed our entire lives. And Jesus prayed prayers of petition in his life. Like when he, in John 17, he's asking God that we all be one, that we'd be unified. But without exception, when Jesus prayed for physical healing, He prayed prayers of command. And since I learned to pray prayers of command, I've seen the rate of healing go way up. And I'm going to challenge each and every one of you, when you're praying for people for physical healing, use prayers of command. We are not commanding God. We are standing in in the power and the authority we've been given as a royal priesthood, and we are speaking to the body. We are speaking to the disease. We are speaking to the affliction that's happening. And so there's an example in here 
when I rewrote this about nine months ago, my husband Roger was having this pain in his leg. His sciatic nerve was pinched in his back and it was causing this excruciating pain in his leg. So if I was going to pray a prayer of petition, that would have sounded something like, you know, dear God, in the name of Jesus, please heal Roger. But instead, prayers of command were what I chose. And so it went something like this. In the name of Jesus, discs release that nerve now. You know, spine come into alignment now. The cushioning in his spine restored now. And then the pain leave now in Jesus' name. So you want to make sure you're praying for both the cause of the problem, which was a pinched nerve, and the symptoms of the problem, which were pain. We want to make sure we're praying for both when we pray for people. You know, as I've been practicing and learning this prayer and leaning into this over the years, that God has really just pressed something on my heart. And that is, we don't conjure, we carry, and we don't beg, we believe. So what's that mean? It means we don't conjure the presence of God. We're born again, spirit-filled Christians, and we carry his very presence in us everywhere we go. And when we're inviting the Holy Spirit, we're just inviting more of that manifest presence. And we don't beg God for healing. We believe his word. We stand in the truth of his word that by the stripes of the Lord Jesus Christ, we have been healed. That there is healing in the atonement of God. We stand in that. We pray like Jesus prayed with command. And we stand as royal children. So as we're praying for people, we want to ask them not to pray. Sometimes people want to pray with you. Just ask them to just you close their eyes and just receive whatever the Lord has to give them. So, and we explain to them at times we're going to be quiet because people aren't used to silence when you're praying, but we're going to invite the Holy Spirit and we're just going to listen to what he has to say before we pray. We want to pray what God is praying and we keep our eyes open some of the time to watch what the Holy Spirit's doing because you can actually at times see the effects of the Holy Spirit on people. So at times when you're praying, their eyelids will start fluttering. It's this sort of, your eyelids can't normally do that. They'll start fluttering or, you know, they might start shaking. They might actually feel heat. They might feel electricity. They might not feel anything, but that doesn't mean God's not working. So at times I'm, I'll sometimes pray with my eyes closed so I can hear the Lord better. And then I open and I watch for the effects of the Holy Spirit to see what he's doing. So, okay. Step three is we invite the Holy Spirit And we pray for effect because the kingdom of heaven really is at hand. So inviting the Holy Spirit, that's the third person of the Trinity. He's God with us. He's given to help us. And the Holy Spirit lives to glorify Christ. And Christ is glorified when healing comes. That's what he died to give us. Okay, The Holy Spirit is the same power that raised Christ from the dead. And he's with us here today. And we always, always, always pray in the name of Jesus. He's the Lord of Lords. He's the King of Kings. He's the victor. He won the healing. And there is power in his name. We use short and specific command prayers for healing. Again, speaking to the body. Unless the Holy Spirit tells you otherwise. Okay, Follow his leading. 
Okay, when we see the Holy Spirit moving, we thank him. You know, thank him for what he's doing. More, Lord, more. Thank you for what you're doing. It's just, you know, it's this high and holy calling to be able to just sit in the presence and watch God heal somebody. So, and we trust the Holy Spirit, not the process. It's the Holy Spirit who comes and brings healing. So step four is re-engage and re-interview if necessary. So I used to think when I was first learning to pray for people that as God was touching them that I couldn't talk to them or I would somehow interrupt the flow of what God was doing. That's not true at all. Now I just tell them, go ahead and keep receiving from the Lord, but tell me, what are you feeling? What are you experiencing? What's your pain level now? You can actually talk to them and, you know, and uh, find out what's going on, more about what's going on. So... If somebody comes to you and they say, I have a pain in my arm and my pain, this pain started two weeks ago. I don't know why it's really bad. It hurts. And you, you know, lay your hand on it and you start praying for it. And they go, oh, wow, that's amazing. That pain's really gone out of my arm. But now that pain is in my leg. That's most likely an afflicting spirit. And you need to pray for that to go. You need to stand in the power and the authority the Lord has given you and just command that to leave this person, this oppression to leave them. In Jesus' name. Um, If you're praying for someone and nothing seems to be happening, they're not experiencing anything, sometimes it's good to re-interview. You know, can you think of anything that happened around the time this illness started? You know, have you ever participated in any satanic or occult activities? You know, if they have, there's some repentance there that probably needs to take place if they haven't already done that. So... When do we stop praying? We stop praying when the people are healed, when they need to go, or healing seems to hit a plateau. So there's three ways that God heals. He heals instantly, on the spot, immediately. The second way is as you go. So you might pray for them here today. You may or may not see the Holy Spirit doing anything. They may wake up the next day or a week later and they're healed. So in the Bible, when Jesus prays for the 10 lepers, he says, go and show yourself to the priest. And the gospel writer records, as they went, they were healed. So that's as you go. And the third way God heals is over time with repeated prayer. And you see an example of this, actually, in the Bible. It happened to Jesus. One time Jesus was praying for a blind man and he said, what do you see now? And the man goes, I see something that looks like trees. So Jesus prays a second time. So what do you see now? Now his sight was fully restored. So sometimes it just does take repeated prayer. And then step five, post prayer suggestions. You know, we always leave the people feeling loved. We're bringing people into this presence of God. And the first thing God wants to show them is his love, his father love. He is the God who desires to heal them. If scripture verses come to your mind, share those with the people. They can take those home. They can, you know, lean into God for more. Lord, what do you have to say to me about this? It's a treasure for them to be able to unlock that with the Lord. So be sure to share that. You know, if they need to make any lifestyle changes that are going to help them, you know, maintain their healing, be sure to share that. And this one's, uh, 
most appropriate if people are healed instantly on the spot. It's important to teach them to how to stand firm in that healing. Because sometimes they'll go home and they'll wake up the next day and that old pain will try to come back. I know, it sounds strange. It's true. And you just have to teach them to say, no, by the stripes of the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm healed. And in the name of Jesus, this pain, leave me now to stand firm in what the Lord has given them. And so now I'm actually going to model this. So I want you to raise your hand very high if you need physical healing, if you're in pain now. Is there anyone here? Laura? Okay, come on up, Laura. I won't have to ask Laura's name because I know Laura. (laughs) How are you today, Laura? I'm going to grab this microphone. Can you give some sound so they can hear? If you come up here. So, Laura, what's going on? How would you like God to heal you? I have a wrist that is not as flexible as the other one. You see that? That's as far as I can bend it down. And it's been like that for months. So it's this one here. Mm-hmm. And it's, okay. it's not as flexible. Okay. And it's painful. And it's painful. Okay. Mm-hmm. Do you and have any? it pops. It feels like something's out of place. Okay. Something's out of place. Do you have any idea? Oh, I can hold it. Okay. Do you have any idea what caused that? Um, I think it was probably um, just having uh, to pull a weight. A weight? Um, okay. Yeah. So it, just um, at work. Okay, so it just happened at work, having to pull a weight. Okay, is there anything else I should know about that? Okay, that's all right. So is it okay if I just touch you here? Okay, so I'm just going to invite the Holy Spirit. Say, come, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You are God, our healer. You are God, our healer. Just bless, Laura, with your presence here, God. Thank you. Thank you for the way you're already just touching her and what you're doing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Right now, in the name of Jesus, the trauma to this wrist reversed in Jesus' name. All the muscles, all the tendons, all the ligaments restored to God's original design in Jesus' name. Every joint, every muscle, just restoration in Jesus' name. Complete flexibility and mobility return to her wrist in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, this pain lift off of Laura now. The pain gone out of her body now in Jesus' name. So tell me, Laura, what are you experiencing? It's similar. So when you came up here, what was the pain level? Um, I don't have a lot of pain unless I'm trying to flex it. Okay. Yeah, so if I'm trying to push one way or the other, even just like pushing to sit up, mm-hmm. get up, will hurt. Okay. My bone sit feels like really sharp pain, but... Usually it's just swollen and not as flexible. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it does look swollen. Yeah. Let's pray some. Let's pray another time. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Yeah. Thank you for 
for all you're doing. Thank you for your healing presence here with us. Right now, in the name of Jesus, the swelling gone in Jesus' name. Every bit of inflammation gone in Jesus' name. The trauma to this wrist healed. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. And the mobility and the flexibility returned for Laura in Jesus' name. Okay, try it now. This might be one of those process ones. Yeah, that could well be. So anyway, thanks for letting me demonstrate. Appreciate that. Okay. Good deal. All right. So now is the time where we all get to practice. So if you need healing prayer, please raise your hand and hold them up high. Good. Okay. Wait right there. Who else needs healing prayer? You? Okay. Who else needs healing prayer here? There's another one. All right. Just keep your hands up high. Who else needs healing prayer? Okay, over here. Back here. Okay, over there. Good deal. Okay, so the rest of you are a priesthood. Keep your hands up high if you would. The rest of you are a priesthood of believers. And you've been given power and authority by God to pray for others. And so this is your opportunity now to go and practice this prayer model. And so I want you to look around the room at one of these people that has their hand held high and ask God, you know, who is it you feel drawn to? Who is it you should go and pray for? And then go and pray for them and practice right here. And the band is actually going to play just some background music as we do this. So perfect. All right. We're going to continue in an attitude of prayer. If you're still praying, um, please go on. I'm going to close us, though, with a word of prayer. So if you'll bow with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the work that you're doing in this place. We thank you for the way that you're touching our physical bodies, healing them. We thank you for healing our emotions from the inside out, transforming us more into your son's likeness. So Lord, we thank you. We pray that you would continue to do this work here in this body, in this congregation that we might experience the miraculous healing that comes through your Son. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. We hope you encountered the love of Jesus in this message. If you'd like to be a part of the ministry God is doing through Quest, whether in person or online, go to questvineyard.org for more information. If you want to worship God by supporting Quest financially, go to questvineyard.org give. 
May God bless you this week as you partner with God to change the world one friendship at a time.